Hey, everybody, quick announcement before the show. We would love for you to nominate us for the People's Choice Podcast Awards in the comedy and People's Choice categories. Head to SinisterHood.com forward slash links before July 31st for a quick link and all the details on how to nominate us. We would really appreciate it. Thanks so much and enjoy the show. The Rock, an island all to its own, housing the country's most dangerous criminals. Isolated and dangerous, escape was impossible. Until one fateful night when three men were willing to risk it all for freedom. Did they succumb to the dark waters of the Pacific Ocean, or did their impossible scheme actually work? This week's episode is Escape from Alcatraz. Up in the night, your heart fills with dread. Probably a murderer who wants you dead. It could be a ghost, a demon, or worse. Perhaps you're the victim of a witch's curse. It's hopeless, you're doomed. You'd call a priest if you could. You'd rather just listen to who? Sinisterhood. I'm gonna kill you. Have you ever been to Alcatraz? I have. I have too. It was a Twice. really fun trip. I liked the boat ride out there. Yeah, particularly. the boat ride was nice. Did I you go in the day or at night? Oh, uh, it was the daytime. I've That's been kinda... in daytime and nighttime. Oh, nighttime. Nighttime was cool. Oh, I, I mean, bet. they were both cool. Different experiences. The nighttime one is a little eerie. Spooky. Yeah. And the ride out there is cool because you can see it all lit up, the, My the rock. My favorite thing to do in every city I visit is go on a boat ride. Oh, nice. I'm playing... What if there's not water? That's a hard thing. Usually, <laughs> I went to Milwaukee. You'd be surprised. Down the street. There was a boat. There's a place. You Milwaukee? Use... Yeah, they've got rivers. They've got a river right in the middle of the city. Wow. Well, uh, I, I, if they don't have one, I don't go. But it's so fun if it's a city anywhere near. Like in when I was in New York, I took the ferry just to yeah. be on a boat. One of the best boat rides I've ever been on was in Chicago for the architectural tour. Uh, the Sea Dog <laughs> Speedboat Architectural Tour. This was not a, a speedboat. Well, then you haven't been on it the best tour It was a Chicago. large... Yeah. I don't remember if it was a double decker, but you know what I mean? Like, yeah, they have was, a couple of it those. It was really big like that. And they have one that's like the Chicago Architectural Foundation that's like, on your left, you'll see a building. And then ours, well, I say ours. I take ownership of the companies <laughs> I work, work for. still work there, yes. For years. It's funny. It's comedians. This one wasn't as staunchy as the first impression you just yes. did. But the I believe it was informational and, and fun. Yeah. Yeah. And just, I mean, I love Chicago and it has such a pretty skyline and their downtown's awesome. And the, the weather was fantastic. That. It's a good, good boat ride. You know I love boats. I love lakes. I love lakes. I like boats. I like Alcatraz. I Alcatraz stood is in the great. most haunted cell of Alcatraz. I also stood in that Tried cell. To- Conjure a ghost. Felt eerie. I also saw the cells that we're going to be discussing today. I did too. And they had the little dummy heads. Not the same ones, Replica. obviously, Replica. but rep- replicas of dummy heads. Replicas Dummies of, of dummies, replicas. if you will. <laughs> the world's full of them. <laughs> That's what, you know, I think today we learned that our president's a dummy. <laughs> I learned that a long time well, it's ago. Well, That's Probably true. back when he was on The Apprentice. <laughs> Probably in the 80s whenever he talked on camera. Yeah, yeah. He's ne- he's never been one to seem smart. No. John Mulaney had nailed it when he said he acts like what a poor person thinks a rich person should act like. Yeah, exactly. I'll have fine golden hair and buildings with my name on it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I'll fire everyone. Yeah. That is, yeah, he's like Scrooge McDuck. <laughs> yeah. 
except even less fun. <laughs> I would love if if a cartoon character was our president. Oh, best cartoon character president. Oh my. Oh God. gosh, that's a good question, man. Oh, I'm running through so many. In I my know. Head like, right now, Hank Hill, Bugs Bunny, Homer. Would be great. <laughs> Homer would be a fun president, or Mo. Mo would be. Mo good. would be a great president. Yeah, Dale Gribble. Yeah, <laughs> I'm gonna release all the John F. Kennedy files. <laughs> oh man, there's a lot of yeah. Randy Marsh. Which one's Randy he's from Marsh? South Park? He stands down. On oh South yeah, Park. yeah. Oh yes, yes. So yep. he'd be a really good one. Oh man, literally anybody. <laughs> yeah, any anyone, anyone that's Dwayne the, the Rock job. Johnson. Love. I love Dwayne the Rock Johnson. So I'm not even putting on a bit right now. No. I follow him on Instagram. He's amazing. He's so genuinely nice and inspirational. He has French bulldogs. He's so in cute. love with his French bulldogs. When I lived in South Florida, he lived not too far from me. <gasps> no way. And he would Neighbors. always eat at uh, an El. It was it Pollo Corral, El Pollo. There was some chicken, like casual dining. Like similar to a Panera or Chipotle. Okay. But it Pollo like, Tropical. That oh, was it. Oh shit. He they loved had it. They had those in Dallas for a minute and I think they're all gone. They were really good. I too. love Pollo Tropical. They I had think the, that's uh, what it was. Yucca fries. Yes, yes, yes. Oh man. And this garlic sauce, shit. Mm-hmm. It's probably a thousand calories. He was always he would always be seen there because they had just big protein bowls and he would just eat like three chickens. Oh yeah. Yeah. He's huge. Yeah, he is. He's very, very He's big. a mass of a man. Good man. You know who's who, great in Moana. Yeah, he is. You know who could escape from The Rock? The, the Rock. Rock. We need to do a remake. God, he should be in an Alcatraz movie. How has that not happened yet? Because he just punches through the wall and the movie's <laughs> over. <laughs> he just grabs the cell bars and just rips them apart. Hobbs and, and right Shaw. Through. Is that what it's called? The new, it's a Fast and Furious universe film. Oh, wow. With Jason Statham and The Rock. I'm sorry, Dwayne Johnson. And there's a scene in the trailer where he's got a hold of a truck on one hand and that he's swinging from a helicopter from yeah. the other, holding them together. And he's like, Aah! and all it takes is a groan from The Rock to hold these. I can't wait to see it. <laughs> that it's coming out fantastic. like this soon. It's coming out soon. Do you know something? What? I've never seen a Fast and Furious. I've seen the first five. Wow, that's a lot. They're How- I binged them like all last summer, and I need to see. The they other. seem fun. They They're seem so like fun. very bingeable, fun. Movies they know what to they watch. are. They yeah, yeah, they are. yeah. They don't take themselves too seriously, mm-hmm. and it's flashy and fun and mm-hmm. high energy. Yeah, it's all about the family. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I do remember. I think I have seen the scene where they CGI'd Paul Walker in. Though. I don't think I've seen that yet. Paul Walker's still alive in the last one I saw. Okay. So I'm going to catch up before yeah, I see you, you got, show. Man, that was so sad, though. I just came up on... That just happened a couple years really? ago recently. The came up? Yeah, it popped up on my God, Facebook timeline. Crazy. I think it was in June. Anyhow. Yeah. Well, I'm Christy. I'm Heather. And we are talking this week about... The famed escape from Alcatraz. When Dwayne the Rock Johnson punched a hole and like, <laughs> yeah. walked out. Yes. What's the, your favorite Alcatraz movie? I think mine's the one with Sean Connery. Yeah, the, it's just the called rock. The rock. I think it's Isn't called Isn't Nicolas rock. Cage in that? Yeah. I get that one in Con Air mixed up. Yeah. It's not the it's, All the movies with Nicolas Cage are kind of the same. Because they're escaping an airplane prison. Con Air is a... Pr- yes, they're being transported somewhere in on a, a prison airplane. Steve Buscemi's in Yeah, that. that's a good movie. It's a good movie. <laughs> it's fun. Man. Yeah. Anyway. Well, that's what we're talking about this week. When three men... And, and jer- no and- baby. No... <laughs> That got you. 
<laughs> but what if it was three? Okay, another remake. It's three men and a baby. Same cast. <laughs> Steve Gutenberg, Ted Danson. Who was Tom the third? Selleck. Tom Selleck. Is it Tom Selleck? Yes, yes. it is. And a baby. I have to escape from the rock. Say, I love how you just listed off the cast in reverse famous order. Yeah, I, I, I listed you Gutenberg. Gutenberg. You know what? I hope he's listening because you were at the top of that list. Steve Gutenberg. Gone but not forgotten. The Goots. The Goots. Yeah. Oh, that three, was such a fun movie. Three men and no baby escape from Alcatraz. <laughs> oh, I want to see that movie poster. Someone photoshopped Please the three do. men and a baby in a, in a rubber raft outside of Alcatraz. Please. <laughs> <laughs> but what many don't know and I didn't know that we'll get into is it was intended to be four men. I this I've learned escaped. a lot. I learned yeah. a lot this week. See, me too, but some stuff went down and it ended up being three. Mm-hmm. So let's get into it. In the nineteen thirties, America was in the throes of the war on organized crime. Mafia superstars like Al Capone were openly committing drug and alcohol trafficking, gambling, prostitution, and even murder. When larger-than-life criminals like Capone were caught, the FBI wanted to put these men away somewhere to keep society safe. If you want a lot of hot takes on Al Capone, you can listen to the St. Valentine's Day Massacre That's true. episode. And also opinions on Italian food. <laughs> yes. We got all sorts of hot takes. I still miss that fettuccine. Oh, man. I would love... A, I'm so hungry right now. I would love a plate of fettuccine. I ate a bowl of spaghetti before you got here. Oh, that's Normally, good. I eat it in bed when I eat spaghetti. That sounds even better. <laughs> my Watching friend, something. My friend James goes, then it's spaghetti. <laughs> Very <laughs> true. all I can think of. That is. Spaghetti is <laughs> great. Spaghetti at the end I love of the it. day. The FBI found just the place on an island in the San Francisco Bay. Known as The Rock, Alcatraz started off as a Civil War military fort. The first step in converting it to a maximum security prison was to demolish the existing fort and build a three-story building made mostly of reinforced steel and concrete cell blocks. And they kind of dug down a little bit, too, to really yeah. set it in there. Got to get it nice and deep. <laughs> get, set it in nice get, and I, deep. I believe a famous architect once said, get it right, get it tight. <laughs> that is, yeah. <laughs> I was, who was that that said that? I was, oh, hang on. Get it right. Get, oh, uh. Miss New Booty. Yes, yes. I was just about to sing it. I can't think it's of it. It's Bubba Sparks. Bubba Sparks. <laughs> the famous bu- architect Bubba Sparks once said, get, get it right, get, get it tight. tight. I believe that's S-P-A-R-X-X. X. Three. Okay. I was going to say, if it wasn't three, then he doesn't know what he's doing. Also featured on that song is the Ying Yang Twins. Yeah, we were, yeah. We were just talking about the Ying Yang Twins. I love the Ying Yang Twins. Well, at the time of its construction, Alcatraz was the largest concrete building in the world. Wildly considered to be inescapable and the most secure prison ever built. They were riding pretty high on their high horse when they built this. Yeah. <laughs> no one's going to get out. No one could possibly get out. It's surrounded by water. Famous no one knows how to deal with water. <laughs> who, can, who would ever do that? Well, to prevent escape, the engineers purposely made sure none of the cells had direct access to outside walls, effectively designing a prison within a prison. None of the cells had individual keys, with all the cells being opened remotely by a guard. In addition, the bars of the cell could not be cut through by normal machinery like hacksaws because it was steel on top of steel. So they are taking theoretically pretty technologically advanced precautions for the Well, 30s. as long as everyone's in their cell. That's true. And can't figure a way out. Oh, how are they going to get out? Prisoners were checked on by guards a dozen times per day. And towers were strategically placed around the island to ensure a watchful eye was always present. 
Prison officials decided against erecting a fence around the prison, considering swimming away would be impossible due to tidal currents and the low water temperatures, hovering between 45 and 54 degrees year-round. People do that polar plunge all the time. You can survive that. People swim triathlons in this bay mm-hmm. all the time, very successfully. <laughs> you just would have to work out a lot. Yeah. And I don't know, when you're or in have, prison, or have what a, else? Yeah, a strong will to survive. That's true. If I don't want to go back there. Yes. I've learned... This story has taught me more than anything. If you want something bad enough, you can make it happen. When you're genuinely believe back is literally up against a wall and you have nothing to lose. You're capable of a lot of things that you might not be otherwise. Life or death. Exactly. Alcatraz was the prison of last resort for America's most dangerous and violent criminals like Whitey Bulger, Al Capone and the Birdman of Alcatraz. At the time of Alcatraz's inception, roughly 25,000 men were in federal prisons. Of those, only 250 were considered dangerous and deadly enough to merit being kept on Alcatraz. That's a, you know, it's like a the biker gang, one percenters. Yeah. It's a little feather in your cap, I imagine, too. I'm You're, so bad. They're sedimated Alcatraz. Yeah, I'm going to the rock. I'm going to the rock. Ladies. You'll never see me again. Or will you? Oh, Maybe. Jolene Babiak, author of Breaking the Rock and the daughter of the acting warden, who was 15 years old and living on the island at the time of the famed Alcatraz escape, said of the prisoners, They were the most aggressive, most assaultive, and sometimes the most mentally ill of those 1%. Imagine for a second, 15 years old. She lived there. (laughs) They all lived there. That's what a what a time to be alive they in your formative years on the pbs show and she's like yeah. the alarm started going off and my, i was going to school and mother said come inside yeah a prisoner has escaped how scary dude i mean just, they because you couldn't really commute easily back then and they just like had a school yeah you just because otherwise they'd have to take a ferry every mm-hmm. time they wanted to go back and forth to do anything or see their family or whatever but one mistake and that somebody might come for your 15 year old daughter yeah or wives your yeah. kids wives everybody lived on not a great place they're a stone's throw from the worst criminals the u.s has to offer it's, i mean you're you would be like a fuzzy little creature living in a lion's den you know living in yeah. a zoo near the yeah, lion cage that's wild Just don't fall in golly well during the time alcatraz was active from 1934 to 1963 36 prisoners attempted 14 different escapes. Of these, all but three were caught. Who were the three? Ooh. On June 11th, 1962, a trio of low-end bank robbers did the impossible, escaped from the rock. The three men, Frank Morris and brothers John and Clarence Anglin, had been sent to the rock after repeated escape attempts at other prisons. So these weren't even, you know, Al Capone. No. Mafiosos. They weren't. They were just a slippery fellow. Yeah, they weren't big mafia names. And from what I could tell, they there were no murder charges that I saw. Mm-mm. That might have been something they dipped their pin in. But mainly it was just car theft robbing banks stuff like that that's and it's wild that they're housed with these just hardened yeah. criminals yeah well that was the thing if you tried to escape from other prisons multiple times they'd send you to alcatraz because it was the inescapable prison mm, try this one slippery boy so you get all these prisoners that have escaped multiple times mm-hmm. not just these four but lots of multiple them. ones and then you put them in an environment where they're challenged like 
Try and escape from here, you but little man. Why are we talking like we're from the like 40s? That's what, the, that's what they talked like on Alcatraz. You don't know. And but then, then you've got all these people right that are like, other. all right, I'll prove you wrong. Yeah. Yeah. And are, and they all were in prison in Atlanta together. So they already knew each other mm-hmm. before they even got to the rock. So they kind of had some backstory there. Well, Morris had been in prison almost every day of his life from age 13. According to Alcatraz records, he had an IQ of 133, one of the highest in the prison. So he's kind of the mastermind. He is. You'd also think being that smart, you would have not got caught so much (laughs) from 13 (laughs) until he's in his 20s at this point. He's not that smart. I guess not. John and Clarence England were two of 16 children who grew up as sharecroppers. Two of 16 children. That poor woman. Bless this woman and her womb. I mean, God. Good Lord. They were career criminals who mostly committed burglary, larceny, and breaking and entering type offenses. They once even robbed a bank using a toy gun. So they're not, like I said, they're not wild child. That's kind of a fun thing to do. (laughs) (laughs) That takes balls. That's true. You walk into a bank, you're like, "I'm gonna, we're going to be so convincing and committed to this. It's, it's like an improv scene. <laughs> it still counts, too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, they robbed a bank. It's true. It just wasn't worth a royal gun. While these three men became household names after their daring escape, what some don't know was that the plan was for four men to make their getaway. Alan West, a convicted car thief from New York City, was to be the fourth escapee. But on the night their plan was sprung into action, he was unable to get out of his cell in time and was quickly abandoned by his fellow inmates. No honor among escapees. I guess not. Unfortunately for West, he was unable to escape. Fortunately for the FBI and other law enforcement officials, through intense interrogation of West, they were able to learn all the details of the escape plot. He squealed like a canary, see? (laughs) It's kind of, though, if he had got out... It would be a total just head scratcher as to how this mm-hmm. was all done. Well, we're going to get to the government cover up. Yes. It, the conspiracy. 100%. Yeah. But I think, yeah, it's a, almost like an ego thing. I think they're probably glad that they got that guy. So they have because there's a lot of parts I think they would not have even found. Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of missing parts. In December of 1961, the four inmates were assigned adjacent cells and almost immediately began hatching an escape plan after Morris, the chief mastermind, came across some old saw blades in the prison yard. You can just play with anything out in the prison yard. <laughs> I guess they just leave they them lying some around. Dumbbells, a basketball, some old saw blades, some, some sharp knives. <laughs> Using these, a homemade drill made from the motor of a broken vacuum cleaner and sharpened spoons. The convicts spent the next six months widening the space around the air vents at the back of their cells. The men would hide the progress of their work from the guards by placing pieces of painted cardboard in front of the holes. These are so many items I have questions about. Where did you get the cardboard? Where did you get the paint? Where yeah. did you get the motor well, the paint, of a broken the, vacuum cleaner? The paint came from the maintenance shop. Yeah. So they were just stealing from inside the prison. They were stealing or, you know, and if they worked in the maintenance mm-hmm. shop that day or whatever, they would do it there. The spoons, yeah. I mean, again, spoon, yeah. in prison, these guys are very efficient and resourceful. But, there's nothing but time. Nothing but time and uh, just your mind figuring out how to do things that you wouldn't otherwise. Uh, given such Focusing. little supplies, you would think this is impossible. Mm-mm. Not when it's all you have. That's you figure true. It out. He's got nothing else better to do than exactly. to think. Every night, once the space was big enough to squeeze through, the men would make their way down the unguarded utility hallway located behind their cells and climb to the roof of their cell block, still inside the prison. 
Here they had set up a secret workshop equipped with various stolen materials from around the prison that they used to build what they needed to escape. Because it was cells with no access to outside walls, so they had these internal hallways Mm -hmm. and internal roofs that they then used. But they still didn't guard them because they were so convinced that they had built this just fortress that it was impenetrable from the inside and solid concrete. How do you Mm -hmm. get through it? Keeping watch on the night shift guards via a crudely constructed periscope, the men alternated between lookout duty and building getaway materials. Here, the men converted over 50 raincoats into makeshift life preservers. Impressively, they also made a 6 by 14 foot rubber raft using hot steam from nearby pipes to vulcanize the seams they had carefully stitched together. They were handy. I mean, that is impressive. They're very handy. Very impressive, yeah. Not only did they sew it together, but then they sealed it. Yeah, they thought of a way to seal this together so it wouldn't split open when it got into the water. It's a Coleman caliber raft. And they got that idea from a popular mechanics magazine that was in the prison. (sighs) Yeah. See, teaching themselves. and They are. Man. Just think if they would have put their powers to good. (laughs) They would have never been in this situation in the first Mm -mm. place, most likely. Wooden paddles were also built to aid in navigating the choppy waters of the surrounding San Francisco Bay. And they had cleverly converted a concertina, an instrument similar to an accordion, into a tool to inflate the raft. That's genius. You're not sitting there blowing. Yeah. Very impressive. Again, they had recently at the prison implemented a music hour. So every every day at a certain hour, the, the prisoners had different musician, uh, musical instruments like the concertina or accordions. That was also one way they were able to do their work in their cells, the, the louder the stuff, because they would wait until Frank Morris would play the accordion while the other ones were chipping away at the wall. Oh, mm-hmm. man. They, had, they were very, they, they were good planners. They're man. good planners. We can't give you wise guys nothing nice. You're going to turn it into <laughs> I know. an escape plan. This is why we can't have anything nice. To prevent the guards from noticing that anything was amiss, the men concealed their absence while working out of their cells by piling clothes and books under the blankets on their bunks and placing dummy heads they had made from a paper mache-like mixture of soap, toothpaste, concrete dust, and toilet paper on their pillows. Okay, I know that it said that they checked on them 12 times a day. Yeah. But there has to, there was some unsupervised time for them to build Michael Scott-esque dummy head yeah. that they could then... Or somebody was getting paid off and looking oh, the other way. Interesting. To further enhance the realistic look of the heads, they used paint from the prison maintenance shop and glued real human hair collected from the prison barbershop floor to the tops of them. To the guards, it appeared the prisoners were sound asleep in their beds. The fake hair from the barbershop's genius. That's very smart. I never would have thought of that. No. Well, well if I, I think if you're in a position where all you have to think about is your freedom. It's like MacGyver. Anything's yeah, useful. Exactly. Suddenly yeah. everything's useful. You get out of that cell with a paperclip if you yeah. want it bad enough. On the evening of June 11th, 1962, the plan had come to fruition, and the men prepared to leave the rock once and for all. With the decoy dummy heads positioned in the bunks, Frank Morris and brothers John and Clarence England slid back the cardboard, removed the air vents at the back of their cells, and squeezed through to the corridor. So this is, it's off without a hitch. It's off so far without a hitch. Alan West, however, had already encountered a problem. Mm -mm. A few days earlier, to prevent his cardboard from slipping down and exposing his handiwork, he had used some wet concrete to hold it in place. Unbeknownst to West, the concrete had hardened and he was now unable to remove his air vent. 
He chipped away at it as quickly as he could, but his fellow inmates were in no position to wait and soon convened at their secret workshop. I mean, you just have to go for it, right? Him or them? Them. I mean, they have to Oh, just... yeah. You can't wait. That's in the waiting game. Today is the this day. This is every man for himself at yeah, this point. We're doing sure. it today. Yeah. But why would you use concrete to hold something? Yeah, that's kind of dumb. Like, pile a book over wet, there or something. <laughs> wet concrete? What is it? You, its whole purpose is to harden and become Only hard. put it on one corner and you can peel it off. I don't know. He didn't sink it through. He didn't have 130 IQ like Morris. Mm, exactly. With their makeshift life reservers in raft and tow, the group of now three climbed up a series of pipes to the 30-foot ceiling above. Once at the top, they pried open a ventilator shaft, keeping it held open by fashioning a bolt out of a bar of soap. Guards would later report hearing a loud crash as the men broke out of the shaft, but since nothing further was heard, the source of the noise was not investigated. I think I heard some up there. <laughs> uh, just leave it. It's your imagination. Probably rats. It's just the rats. You know, the rats gotta go somewhere. There was so much shoulda, woulda, coulda after this happened. I mean, it's the inescapable place that no one can escape from, and yet you hear a big bang in the night, and you go, ah. I think at any Who's prison, at any prison, if you hear a large bang. Just go look. You're, if I hear a large bang at my house. Yeah. Where there are no inmates, I'm going. Well, I sometimes I feel as if I'm being held <laughs> that we know of. by pedal, but yeah, I'm gonna go investigate what's going on. You don't just shrug your shoulders. No, I think, especially this if is you're like a the, federal prison this guard, this is the last job in the world that you should just shrug your shoulders. You, <laughs> you hear like, it? Eh, I mean, yeah, I don't know. It's probably fine. Nah. It's probably it's probably fine. It probably was, a ghost. It's nothing. Well, on the other side of the ventilator was the roof of the prison. Quickly and quietly, the men made their way across the roof, where they shimmied down a four-story smokestack, climbed two 12-foot barbed wire fences, and made their way to the dark northeast shore of the island. Shout out for not getting the raft stuck on the barbed wire fence. Right? Barbed wire. I mean, and also 50 life preservers, that's heavy as fuck. Also, this giant-ass raft. It's th- Yeah, that's true, and it's very thick rubber. From yeah, I would day. think it would be pretty heavy and cumbersome. To be able to get yourself through all of this, let alone having to carry all this shit with you. I, I mean, I guess the guards in the towers must have just been sleeping. The the spot where they got to the shore to launch the boat was one of the few blind spots on the island, and they knew of it too. See, and that's it. You just watch. You wait. You just and gotta watch, find that one. Watch. Yeah. Can I just say, someone asked us on uh, our Patreon Q and A last month. What is a thing that you saw in TV or like in a cartoon as a kid and you would be more like quicksand? Yeah. I would like to rescind my previous answer and change it to barbed wire fences. You thought you'd deal with them a lot more? I just thought those were just everywhere. <laughs> I think partially due to the movie Adam's Family Values, which oh, if you remember Wednesday, yes. Adams is sent to the camp where Peter McNichol and Christine Baranski are the very cheerful camp counselors. Yes. And she's trying to escape to stop Uncle Fester from marrying Joan Cusack. I know a lot about that. That's one of my favorite movies. It is a good movie. God, it's so good. Uh, Too and- legit to quit. <laughs> that song was in it. Is that the first one? That was in the first one. I think one. it's the first one. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah. Because, yeah, and then she's trying to get away, and there's a barbed wire fence, and so she can't get over it. I just thought, oh, man, it must every camp, every, I mean. Yeah, everywhere I you go assumed, is going to have a barbed wire fence. Yeah, anything good sh- surrounded by a barbed wire fence. Turns out now it's only like the post office. Like, yeah, there's not really or a lot of, if you have cattle or something like yeah, that. Yeah, something that, yeah, someone would. The uh, post office? The post office has got barbed wire around The one it. down the street? Yeah, so people can't, I guess, steal letters. <laughs> But the mailboxes are out in the parking lot. Give me them letters. They're locked. <laughs> yeah, but they don't have barbed wire around them. No, you just got to have a real long arm. Yes. <laughs> you know Stretch what's, Armstrong? That's really annoying because there's a blue garbage can right in front and it's painted oh, the same color. That's stupid. 
the mailbox. I wonder how many how many letters have gone right in that trash. I promise I RSVP'd to your wedding. <laughs> Those right in the trash. Went right in the trash, Cheryl. <laughs> Just like you. Investigators estimate that around 10 p.m., the escaped convicts launched their homemade raft and set out for their objective, Angel Island, two miles to the north. What happened next remains a mystery to this day. I think I know what happened. Do you? The Loch Ness Monster. <laughs> Nessie was they over there? jump on her back. Oh, what an escape. That's another movie that needs to happen. <laughs> Nessie and the Rock? Yes. Oh, I love it. <laughs> they jump on her back. She makes she makes Chewbacca sounds. Oh. Well, due to the realistic dummy heads, the escape was not noticed until the next morning. When a guard finally stuck his hand through the bars of the cell, nudged the head, and watched it roll off the bunk and onto the floor. Alcatraz immediately went into lockdown, sirens rang out, and the manhunt began. Can you imagine him pulling that blanket and going, whoa! (laughs) I've made a lot of mistakes in my life. None compared to this. (laughs) Where your one job was to make sure people were still in their beds, and for 12 hours, they have been just on the lam. Hey, boy, imagine uh, prisons are gone. I imagine everyone imagine for a second the feeling this man had in his chest when when that head rolled to the floor and he realized, oh, "Oh, fuck. Oh, no. Yeah. I'm going to get in a lot of trouble. (laughs) The anxiety and pure immediate shitting of pants. Well, because one rolling head is bad three is very a shit show i mean because you know that would be my first thought is how many are gone and then they're just going down the cells just poking people in the head see if they're real or not that's my real head olin g blackwell the warden at the time was vacationing in napa when he learned of the men's escape just sipping on a delicious that is a real boner kill to a vacation (laughs) hey we have a message for you mr blackwell (laughs) don't tell me someone escaped from the prison (laughs) oh is it a message about this uh cabernet sauvignon i'm sampling because if not i don't want to hear well three men got out of the got out of alcatraz well he again still very arrogant and due to the cold rough shark infested waters of the bay didn't think the men could have survived and made it to shore arrogance they're a lot of arrogance (laughs) they're shark food (laughs) much like this delicious crudite platter i'm having (laughs) the fbi who was notified immediately interviewed relatives of the men, compiled all their identification records, and told boat operators in the bay to be on the lookout for debris. Also be on the lookout for three prisoners that just escaped from this fucking prison. Some dude swimming real fast. Yeah, maybe you don't care so much about just some wood floating by, but a a man that could come aboard and take you. Persons. Have you seen multiple persons? Uh, Also, do you think their relatives are going to rat them out? They're not going to rat them out. No, I wouldn't. No! Because some theories say they had all been in contact with them. Oh, well, also, the Anglins had 16, well, I guess 14, 14 siblings. siblings. Yeah. That's good numbers. For, to get, first of all, you got to have a group meeting to get, to <laughs> interview all of them. Otherwise, you're going to be there for weeks. Yeah, just trying just to get a road some trip trying to, yeah, find all the Anglin kids. Just get an Airbnb, get them together for them a weekend, and get some answers. Tell them that they won a prize. Oh, yeah. And then solve a mystery. Isn't like that the clue on uh, Isn't that Clue that they, they said they won a, or got an inheritance? 
How did they trick them all to the mansion? They all receive a mysterious letter just saying to meet, to be Mr. Body's guest at the mansion. There you go. Yes. That's probably how they got the England family together. But what is it? There's also a movie. Is it Blow where they get, they get him because some, some movie they send out letters. It's some mafia movie saying they've won a boat. Oh, that was cool. a legit thing that the FBI did back in the day to get <laughs> criminals to show up in one what location and do like a mass arrest. What are criminals like? Boats. Hell yeah. <laughs> send, them, send the letters. I have a question. What would ha- someone have to write on like in a, a thing to get you to show up somewhere? Oh, that's like a great what question. would it have to say? Like, Christy, you've won a blank. One, it probably. Winning is not, I'm not going to buy it. Okay. You would just assume you didn't win. I wouldn't assume it's a scam if anybody tells me I've won anything. Honestly, if I received a letter that said, you've been invited <laughs> as a mysterious guest to the mansion of Mr. Body okay. at this location, I would probably go. I'd have to say a lot of goodbyes first because I might not make it out. <laughs> but because it sounds like I'm going to be killed. But sounds like a trap. Something mysterious and fun like that, I would definitely you would go. go. What about you? Or if it was like free, all the guac you can eat. Yeah. That, one of those two scenarios. Yeah, if you want to have a free uh, meal at a new restaurant, it's very <laughs> Oh, low. I'd do that. If some if I got a coupon for a free meal, I'd go. Yeah, I would go. Mm-hmm. I would easily be tricked. Yeah, and then and I'd show I'd bring up a and, guest too, probably. Yeah. We're both going down. <laughs> yes. We all show up and we're like, wait a minute. These are all our friends. I think this was a trap. <laughs> but why would we be there? Maybe uh, I haven't committed. Someone any would try to sell you multiple of them. Oh anything. Jesus Christ! Do you want to buy these stick-on nail stickers? No, my God! Just send me a Facebook thing. I can decline. <laughs> Over the next few days, a packet of letters sealed in rubber, along with a wallet wrapped in plastic, complete with names, addresses, and photos of the Anglin's friends and relatives, were found. Doesn't that sound just like something you'd want the police to find mm. if you wanted them to think you were dead? Yes, definitely. Just my and two also, cents. Does anyone else feel a little bit sad for these guys? What is it crazy? This whole t- like all this research I was doing, I kept thinking how I just felt sorry for these these guys, even though they're convicts. And maybe it's because they're just bank robbers. Well, I don't want to say just bank robbers; it's still a crime, but it's they a haven't like it's federal offense. But I just imagine them struggling and trying to get to freedom and they've got like their personal things with them wrapped in rubber it's just crazy she's laughing so hard is it crazy that i feel sorry for them i mean they're sympathetic characters in theory but they were sentenced they i know at no point were they wrongfully convicted i know i know 100 they did it. it's because of the the links they're going to for freedom that's true that i guess what maybe you're feeling empathy for someone who is at such a desperate point mm-hmm. that they're willing to die yeah to be not where they're at. Yes, and I that, think that's it. I mean, I think, if I may not get too political. Please. But it that's that's the thing yes. I feel about people seeking yes. asylum at Absolutely. the border, that if you're willing to risk the life of your children and mm-hmm. yourself, they're not, I don't think you're an idiot. I think, oh my God, how horrible. How bad it must be. Think about what you would do to save Ella. Anything. Anything if it's the like world. the only way we can do is to walk to Canada, you'd go, well, I gotta yeah. get some good or shoes on. Or swim across a fucking ocean. Or whatever. Yeah. You would do it to save Ella. Yes, and absolutely. So I don't ever, I, I think maybe it's kind of a, a little bit similar, you know, when you yeah. think what what's that feeling inside of you that, that is like, I can't take this anymore. Mm-hmm. I'm going to die you here. You feel like a trapped rat. Yeah, you're trapped just a rat in, just in a cage. Wanna, yeah. You want to do anything you can to get out. Hot take here. Go on. I have I have a lot of hot takes about prison. 
But one of the biggest ones is, yes, these people are criminals, oftentimes murderers, rapists, the worst of the worst. They are not going to be rehabilitated in an environment like that. If you're driven to insanity. Yes. If you're just trapped in a, I don't know. I've been in these, we've both been in these cells. They are small as shit. It's horrifying. It's, I mean, you can barely turn around in them. Yes. And that's what you're in 23 hours a day. Yeah, it's true. And and the criminal justice system was is founded on ideals of there's kind of two trains of thought one is this rehabilitative idea of you can go into prison and maybe you take therapy and you get to the bottom of your alcoholism or you get to the bottom of your uh, you know compulsive behavior that causes you to commit these crimes or whatever and the other one is just purely punitive that yeah. says your society has rules you broke the rules fuck you you don't get a book go shut up and be in the cell yeah. and i think i think you know what? I don't even say I hope. I believe we as human beings are better than that. I, 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 that we're I better than just, hey, fuck you, go live on this rock and you'll never get out and who cares and buy and shut the door behind them. Who are we to say that any more than they were to do the crime Correct. they did? Yeah, you're, everyone's like an eye for an eye. I was like, that's in the first part of the Bible. <laughs> There's a guy that shows up. Keep reading. Yeah. Let please, me just get don't to the, put it down. The, get to the good part. Yeah. It's like Harry Potter. I mean, there's some spoiler, not spoilers, but there's so things change as the book goes. Sure, on. absolutely. So like any, reading. like any anthology series, things you are going to change. Be like Kramer, who turns off the the movie where the lady goes in the coma, and Kramer's like, "If I'm ever in a coma, pull my plug." And then he goes back and watches the rest yeah. of the the movie, and she she oh, wakes, wakes up. up and he's she like, wakes up. Oh God, don't pull my. Plug. And he's got to go find Elaine to yes. tell her not to pull That's, the plug. But after you, all, you got to keep reading, right? You can't just absolutely. say an eye for an eye or whatever. So I think we should the and hopefully. With the as we get better politicians in office who are less funded by giant corporations mm-hmm. who run these private prisons and run the ancillary prison services that that go on, right. where a phone calls forty dollars and a bottle of you know water, not a, a thing of ramen fifteen dollars, yeah. you know, grossly inflated prices for already vulnerable people. And by the way, the prisoners aren't even paying that; their families yes. who are impoverished are paying. Yes. You know, you don't have a bunch of rich people in prison again for other reasons. Yeah mandatory minimum sentences a lot of it for particularly marginalized communities nevertheless we could get off on a tangent but i think as we get politicians in office who are not funded by these for-profit prisons then perhaps you'll see a shift away from the for-profit prison model and more one to that is less punitive and more rehabilitative yes and mental health is such a problem in prisons and getting to the bottom of that like you said it's you're there to get to the root of why you do these things. So mandatory therapy, daily, yeah. counseling, medication, schools, college, schools, yes. trades, trade school, it's, it's meditation, church, it's, whatever it is, it needs to all be there for someone to actually be able to change. People do not change you. if they're just left to their own devices and their mind. Lock which, them up, let them fight. And then when they get out, fucking see whatever they go get a job loser. It's like, well, I have no skills because I was yeah. locked up. Well, you shouldn't have been locked up. It's like, that's great. I, we can wish in one hand and shit in the other and right. see which one fills up faster. One of my if, favorite expressions, well, by the way. Yeah, my mom says it all the time. But you know, <laughs> You really do need to give people skills who are incarcerated so that when they are out, they are. I Here's the thing. I don't want I don't mind if someone who is formerly in jail is my neighbor. I don't care as long as they might be. I mean, and that's very well. If you want to participate and be in society, welcome back, buddy. I don't think you're we're going to we as a society are not going to thrive by ostracizing people who have already been ostracized. Fuck it, man. You did your time. I forgive you. If you want to play gate, let's let's play ball. Like we right. can all be in this economy together, and I think it's very foolish to really unless 
you're the one that's running the prisons and you get paid based on how many people are in there. Exactly. Then it's dope as hell if someone comes back to prison because yeah. you're getting paid again. Yeah. So it's one of those like you have to kind of follow back the trail of like, oh, who yeah. has the motivation to keep people oppressed? And again, 13th. Without... Everyone needs yes. to go watch 13th. Yes. Yes. So uh, that's I could uh, shout loudly about the prison industrial complex. Please do. All for the time. days. Yeah. yeah. And then, but you nailed it. That's why I feel for these guys. That's not why because you feel they're it. criminals. What they did was wrong. Again, like we always say, the two things don't have to be mutually ex- Cor- exclusive. You correct. can feel sympathy and empathy for someone while not agreeing with what they did or their behavior. And I don't. And you know, that's the question: is why do you send someone to prison? Oh, they did a bad thing, and they got to get punished. Yes, but I think it's right. important that on the other end of that bad thing, you get punished. Maybe they could be productive members of society and we'll all do better. Yeah, absolutely. So <sighs> we are stepping down also, from Paris our soapboxes. We'll say Paris told me the other day that apparently some Walmart clothes. I think he said I think it was clothes from Walmart. Sorry if I'm misquoting you. Were are created by prison labor or there's like items Probably. that are sold in Walmart that are created by prison labor that's like sold. For, they, they get paid like two dollars a day or something like that. I'm the like, prisoners that's, do. that's more like slavery. Yeah. What you're describing yeah. there. It's the produce. That's what they, they don't make stuff. They wash it, pick they it. They get the produce from prison farms. Oh. So yeah, you're learning a skill, but then Walmart is buying produce from prison farms. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Damn. Yeah. That's a whole other that's a, can of worms. Another tangent. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, these guys were on a rubber raft in the ocean. <laughs> well, in addition to the letters in the wallet they found, pieces of wood that resembled a paddle, bits of rubber, and a homemade life vest were also found, either in the water or washed up on the shore of Cronkite Beach. That could be anybody's homemade life vest. Maybe. According to the FBI, the raft itself was never recovered. After 10 days of searching, the FBI officially declared that the men had drowned, citing that the men would have never left the only personal belongings they had behind. However, authorities never found any bodies, despite statistics showing that two out of every three people who go missing in San Francisco Bay are eventually recovered. So two of these guys should have been found. Statistically, we got at least one, maybe two survivors. You would think statistically that's what should have happened. I think the FBI is playing right into their hands. Mm. I feel like Frank Morris would be like, all right, dump these so they'll wrap it up in plastic so it doesn't sink, you know, so it doesn't get ruined. Also, it looks like we were trying to protect it Mm because we wanted to keep it and then dump it over the side. What do you think they're going to keep a wallet with their name in it when they're on the lamb from the federal government? Right. No, they don't give a shit. No. West, who cooperated with the investigation into the escape and was therefore not charged for his role, also told investigators how the men had planned to integrate back into society by stealing clothes and a car upon reaching land. Bundy style. The FBI further argued that because no thefts were reported in the immediate area, that the men had not been successful. These are a lot of assumptions and not a lot of... Facts? Yeah, research and investigation. Mm -hmm. Being forthcoming. Interesting. An investigation revealed that the massive amount of concrete used to construct the prison was actually to blame for the escape. Whoopsie. <laughs> we'll build a prison. What is it like the big bad wolf? I'll build my house. Out of exactly. Six. <laughs> no one can destroy. St- oh, they fell Uh-oh. over. Alcatraz used seawater to flush the toilets. However, it trickled from leaky pipes and absorbed into cracks in the walls. The salt water caused the small cracks to break like spider webs, causing structural weaknesses. Undone by their toilet water. Mm. <laughs> Same things happened to me before. Oh, uh, many times. <sighs> Once water seeped through, the steel reinforced bars began to rust, 
then expand, causing more chunks of concrete to crumble off like dry bread. By the time of the escape in 1962, the walls were so eroded, the escapees could easily scrape chunks off with a spoon. And if 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 it's so obvious that this can happen, how has no one that works there just been walking? You know, you just drag your hand along the wall when you're crumble, walking crumble, down. Crumble, and crumble, crumble. Just, yeah, I don't understand huh. the, the blind eye or lack of attention to detail that must have gone on to allow this to happen seems pretty gross. It's egregious. Yeah, I think. It is the hubris of man. Mm, I agree. That the prison, the federal government thought, we've built an inescapable prison. And then they never touched it again. The strongest substance in the world. (laughs) Concrete. Concrete. You can never knock concrete down. Wouldn't it be diamonds? Yeah, I think so. Diamond prison would be pretty fly. (laughs) Diamond prison is the name of my album. (laughs) Dropping next Please feature me on at least one track. Uh, All the tracks. (laughs) Okay, great. Yeah. Diamond prison is a pretty sweet... I don't even know what kind of music we're doing. I feel like it could be a lot. <laughs> it could be anything. Experimental, hip hop, mm-hmm. classical. It's experimental, country. classical, hip hop country. Oh, so. nice. So it's, it's. I got on a country kick the other ooh, day. I go through this too. Man, I was listening, Who were you to, listening to Brooks and Dunn. Yeah. Ooh. Oh, what's Love Needs Some Neon Moon. Oh, yeah. Deanna Carter. Garth, Love Strawberry Wine. Garth Brooks. Toby Keith, which I was actually. Put a boot in your ass. Putting a boot in your ass. I don't like. That I feel so enthralled by that song. <laughs> you just put it on your like. I don't like. I'm not a Toby Keith. I'm not a Toby Keith fan, but I'm on board with all the other ones. I like listed. some Toby Keith, but there's a, one song. That there's a lot of problematic lyrics. Is a uh, beer for my horses. Yeah. Don't don't listen to the lyrics. So I just don't. I just unliked it from Spotify because it would pop up, and I thought this is a fun. Oh my no. That's- well, it's it's about women, right? No, uh, there's a what I think is perhaps a thinly veiled reference to lynching. Oh, geez, and I was like, Louise. Willie Nelson, why? Because Willie Nelson sings on that song. What was the lyric? Uh, take all the rope in Texas and find a tall oak tree and hang up all the bad boys, which I feel like maybe I don't think. Whoa. I'm, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's one of those songs that you kind of kind of got a catchy tune. And then when you stop, you go, oh, no. So many of those. Dude. Were we talking about that? I think so. Where it's Recently, like were you don't even realize what you're you're listening to because it's so catchy and then you start listening you're like god jesus christ i've been singing this driving on the road and i was like oh my god (laughs) and i thought pull over and have a moment i was like i'm not gonna stop it because i need to hear what else they say and i was like it doesn't get any better (laughs) oh i think i was talking to tommy about that about um hip-hop songs that i've always oh like the lyrics are yes especially from the yeah oh my god and now if i listen to it in the car and ella's in the car i'm like oh we cannot listen to this (laughs) and i shouldn't have been listening to it i feel like i'm encouraging or supporting all this horrible sexist language well you know how we talked about too close by next on the the travis Walton episode what popped up on the radio or not i guess it was on like a spotify like 90 or like 2000s mix and paris was like oh you know this song and he like turned it up and at the beginning the guy goes you think she can tell I'm hard right now? Oh my god! <laughs> the song started. I was like, "What did they? What did they just say?" Good like, you know, God. Also, said. who are you talking to, sir? I guess it's Frank. <laughs> so you're hard in front of. Let's just break that down. You have He's, an erection. You've got a hard on with your girl in front of your friend, and you're all dancing at the club. He leans over his shoulder to his buddy. Hey, buddy, hey, you think she, she can, can tell I'm hard? I don't know, but I know you are now, and now that's all I can think about. <laughs> She's like, I can hear you guys <laughs> first of all yes i could tell because you've got it pressed up against my back second <laughs> i have ears i'm right here I'm fucking right if i'm here. close enough to feel your dick i'm close enough to hear what you're saying so i used to along the same lines i 
<laughs> so I'm close enough to feel your dick. You're saying <laughs> that will be on our quotes. <laughs> oh yeah, this week. Great. <laughs> uh, but along on that same thing, it was like I think it was like hip hop with the, uh, the 2000s or something. Eminem came mm. on. Man, as a 15 year old, I I love Eminem. I still love Eminem, but I do realize there are some problems. Oh my god! Yeah. Well, it was the my name is came up, which mm. there we then as we were both trying to sing the lyrics and failing, we realized there's a radio edit that we knew. Yeah, and then this was the album. Oh, the cut. Uh, the uncut version is almost unrecognizable it's, a, it's obscene yeah 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 and i thought oh i'm old now yeah yeah that i was like him him what are you saying <laughs> what are you doing and he's older than we are oh god yeah. so imagine how old he feels that's true but he's wonder, singing those things i was gonna say i wonder if he goes on torn off he sings those old songs oh i'm sure you, got, you gotta make those money those are the hits you gotta make money they're the money makers nobody goes to an Eminem show and they're like, I don't want to hear Stan or I don't want to hear my name is. Yeah, I'd love they to hear, hear the new stuff. They no, want <laughs> no I want to hear Eminem's new stuff. Every uh, all concerts that fucks me right off. You know, nobody wants to hear No, Eminem's. I'm sorry. No matter who you are, even if you're the Rolling Stones, especially if you're the Rolling yeah, Stones. Yeah, who's uh, they're in Houston soon. Nobody gives a shit about your new stuff. No. Maybe El- like one one or two people. I think Elton John played a, a newer song when we went to go see he him. He covered a uh, a new like hipster song. Oh, I didn't know. That. I don't remember Young, that. Young, Dumb, and Broke. I don't remember that. Did he not do it as a show? I made one of the bathroom. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> the- he sang like a nine minute long ballad uh, with... It was just, I just went to the bathroom. I didn't recognize it, so I just went to the bathroom. I think sometimes they got to throw those in because they know everybody's got to go to the bathroom and you don't want to go to the bathroom during Rocket Man. No, man. I think he opened with Rocket Man. Oh, nice. He maybe opened with Benny and the Jets. It was a good concert. Did he do costume changes or did he just sit at his piano? Uh, I think there were one or two suit changes Mm. because they would play these videos to kind of distract you while he went off stage. Yeah. The piano. He's got to have a break too. He's an old man. Yeah. Well, I mean, any of them. He went right right at eight and was like off right at 1030. Like, exactly. It was very, his, his phone, his alarm on his <laughs> watch went off. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I'm sorry. I know it was in the middle of Tiny Dancer, but I will be leaving. <laughs> you know how it ends. You've heard it. <laughs> yeah, Neither like one that. of those would how Elton John sounds even a little bit. Oh, yeah. I can't do a good Elton John impression. No. Gosh. No. I love Elton John, and I hope that it really wasn't his last tour because you gotta I want to go back. see it, it was so great. bad. I did recommend. see him, but I didn't. it wasn't. I didn't have good seats or anything. Man. And it was kind of, yeah. It was just like basically listening to him on the radio. I was so far away. <laughs> so far. So I want to go back where I can have some decent Enjoy seats. him. Yes. Man, I, th- I bet you he'll play Vegas again. Oh, yeah. That'd be fun. That would definitely be fun. Anyway, back to Alcatraz. <sighs> well, so this place is falling apart. That's it's- true. Oh, yeah. They used concrete. <laughs> And then they ran just, seawater through it. Yeah. And, it just and then with a spoon, they're just chipping away at it <laughs> in their spare time. Engineers contemplated repairing the fissured concrete, but the cost estimate was too high. And in 1963, then attorney General Robert F. Kennedy ordered the rock to be closed for good. If you want to hear more about Robert F. Kennedy, you can listen to the Jovember F. Kennedy series of episodes we released. Lots of Robert F. Kennedy We got a lot of Kennedy those. stuff. Yeah, you got to close it down. I mean, it's it's uh, like uh, well, it's not going to hold. I mean, it's not holding people. And I'm pretty sure that's the the only purpose of a prison, really. Yeah, keep them in. Just keep them in. Not let them out. You know, it's like your car's totaled. The prison was totaled. They had to call it. You got to you got to call it a loss. Shut it down. Get a check cut to you. I imagine by the prison insurance Mm -hmm. company. Well, after a 17 year investigation into the iconic escape, 
The FBI officially closed the case on December 31st, 1979, stating that the prisoners most likely drowned due to strong currents and extremely cold waters. They believe at some point the men's raft broke apart and sank, and in an attempt to swim to shore, the men succumbed to hypothermia and their bodies were swept out to the Pacific. Seems like a convenient answer. Doesn't it, though? There are many, though, that believe the men didn't succumb to a watery grave and were successful in escaping from the rock. Right here. You're looking at two of them right here. On December 16th, 1962, John Paul Scott, another inmate who successfully broke out of Alcatraz, was found by three teenagers near the southern end of the Golden Gate Bridge. He had managed to swim 2.7 nautical miles from Alcatraz to Fort Point and was suffering from hypothermia and exhaustion. Do those freaking snitch-ass teenagers tell on him, call the cops? I don't know for sure. They probably sure. didn't take him to hospital. I imagine they didn't know he was an inmate and found this man suffering and like, near the edge of death. Don't worry, let me die. Just let me die. And they called someone to help, and then it was discovered that this guy had escaped. And then he wakes up in a prison and is like, oh, no. It was all a dream. Dude. Well, Scott was promptly sent back to Alcatraz after recovering at a nearby hospital, but did prove that an inmate can reach the shore by swimming and in much less favorable conditions than what Morris and the Anglin brothers were faced. That's true, man. He did it in December, and they were in June. The waters were probably a lot more warm yes, in June. Yeah, and just the tides and everything were less choppy, less choppy and po- less of a strong current on the day that the three escaped. Man, you swim 2.7 nautical miles. And then you in just, in very unforgiving waters. You basically just exercised because they just put you back where you came from. That sucks. <laughs> yeah, you exercised and nearly died. They put you back in. the You prison. got a little staycation in a hospital. That's it. get some Jello maybe. Yeah, Cute and then you're, and then you can't even enjoy it because you know you're getting sent back. Man. <sighs> well, today we athlete- feel we feel very bad about these Alcatraz. <laughs> I do. <laughs> I feel bad for. Bleeding hearts. I don't want to say, like, I know, I'm. we're going to get so many liberal snowflake comments. Whatever. I'm proud to be one. I Thank know what you I very am. much. Me too. I understand that people have to be held accountable for their crimes. I just think that the... I think our prison system is fucked. And well, and it must, this must have been a not very good place to be if you're willing to swim 2.7 nautical miles in December in the yeah. ocean yes. where you will drown. In shark-infested waters. There is Honestly, and that right there might have made me not do it. I'm so scared of sharks. And they would just come up and you wouldn't even know it. <laughs> but, uh, but, but if you're like, well, I'm probably going to just rot away and die in here. My life is miserable. It's I have nothing to live for in here maybe i'll drown Let's, maybe a shark will get yeah me. but you know what if i do at least i'm not back in this prison yeah or maybe i'll make it yeah and, and that's what freaking you're holding, teenagers called the cops you're holding on to that glimmer of hope and even again here comes my bleeding heart even the men these men who are hardened criminals at the end of the day they still have that feeling of hope that we all mm-hmm. have inside of us that pushes us to do things we didn't think we were capable of when well, it keeps us from waking up every day yes. you know we wake up in the morning and make our little worlds that we're in a little bit better. Everybody you know. was somebody's baby boy or baby girl at one point. And, it, and they had pictures of the family to prove it. Yeah. Golly. What a bunch of saps. We <laughs> <laughs> Poor Al Capone. <laughs> Poor criminals. Well, today, athletes competing in triathlons regularly swim the same route from Alcatraz to Fort Point, continuing to prove that it can be done. See, people do it for funsies. Yeah, yeah. Not even because they're just trying to escape from prison. They just want to get a sticker on the back of their car. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Robert Chechi, a San Francisco police officer, 
said that at 1 a.m. on June 12th, the morning after the escape, he saw an illegal boat in the bay near Alcatraz. A few minutes later, the boat left, heading under the Golden Gate Bridge. There is speculation that the prisoners may have been working with someone on the outside who picked them up and took them to safety. So he saw the boat and, and then he said, didn't pull it over? Eh, that's an illegal boat, but we're just going to let it go. <laughs> it's a job for the lock cops. I don't have. <laughs> Nessie will get him. Yeah. Well, he just he shrugged his shoulders. Yeah. Again. I, I mean, it seems like everyone <laughs> that worked around this prison was like, yeah. Somebody else. It's the bystander effect. Someone were, else will do it. I mean, to be fair, if it were me and I was a cop near Alcatraz and I saw it back then when it was a prison and you see an illegal boat, you think, hey, man, get on you. <laughs> you you made the, it this far. You did what everyone said you couldn't do. You know what? Uh, you know, I'm stand up and applaud. You're a high achiever. In 1993, Thomas Kent, a former Alcatraz inmate, revealed to America's Most Wanted that he had helped the men plan the escape, but declined to actually participate because he didn't know how to swim. These well, that's things, nice. These things are important. <laughs> yeah. Teach your kids how to swim. I know, yeah, at an early they may, age. They may need to escape from a federal penitentiary, and they won't be able to. Yeah, <laughs> it'll all be going to fall back on you. Yes. <laughs> Kent also claimed that Clarence Anglin's girlfriend had agreed to meet the men on shore and drive them to Mexico. But officials were skeptical of Kent's story due to the fact that he was paid $2,000 for the interview. I mean, he's just a man trying to get paid. You know, I I think it takes a lot to help plan an escape for four other people and just be like, you guys, go on. I'm just here to help. Do you think that Thomas Kent was telling the truth? Or do you think necessarily if someone's paid to do an interview, like with the Travis Walton people, some of them got mm-hmm. paid, do you think that undermines the credibility of the interviewee that's a good question i think that if you're getting paid to do an interview you might be more likely to embellish or fabricate a story make a good story yes for then possibly the chance to get on more interviews if you just go on and say i don't know anything then done nobody else is going to want you on their talk show but if you've got a good juicy story then you might start getting booked you're going to need an agent you're going to get some headshots Prison many, headshots. How many thousands of dollars would they have to pay you to lie? About what? Anything. Say you... Uh, Who's they? The government? Uh, no, no, like uh, Inside Edition or, uh, you know. Oh. Which, by the way, can I just... I'm sorry. This is... I have ADD and I'm going to tell you this story. So there's a video that's viral right now of a little guy. Okay. Uh, sh- <laughs> he's a, sh- a little guy? He's a short gentleman. Okay. All right. He's maybe five foot screaming in a bagel store. <laughs> Guess what I have not seen guess this. Guess what he's screaming about. There, not. There's not... Everything bagels. That's what I said. I said, <laughs> well, were they out of everything bagels? Turns out... Locks. No. Cream cheese. Women don't like him. Oh, and he chose to... A bagel... A, a Einstein's bagel to yeah. announce well, this to the world. Well, it was a local bakery. It was a local bagel shop outside of New York. And he's freaking out, screaming at all the women, human beings in general. And he has a really thick like new york new jersey accent mm. and he's like you all you women you all you all say oh you're five foot tall on the dating apps and you tell me to just go die and and gosh you, he's freaking out and eventually he uh some guy starts filming him a real tall guy <laughs> and then another guy and he's like you think i'm scared of you i'm not scared of you just because you're tall and a guy behind him steps up and he's like oh you want to go i'll beat your and before he can say i'll beat your ass the taller guy tackles him to the floor wow which was a heroic move in my opinion he was a crazy person and he needed i mean yeah. he just was on a, so the, <laughs> turns out he has a youtube channel of course and i think he was kind of doing it for publicity oh but he agreed to do an interview with inside edition there you go and he's standing outside 
And a, of the bagel shop? No, they're just uh, like uh, in front of a, a row of houses or like, you know, there's just like trees in the background. But the correspondent from the Inside Edition that they sent looks like Giselle Bungeon, but she's like even taller. <laughs> she's at least 5'11". Sick burn. Dude. <laughs> and she's talking to him and she's just towering over him, holding this microphone down she's on him. She's like crouched down to and get to his level. Much to no one's surprise, he's like, I don't like you. I don't like this interview. The interview's over. And he freaks out and runs. But I thought, I think Inside Edition had mm. various reporters of different heights. Oh, and they yes. thought, you know what, Michelle, we're going to send yeah. you. <laughs> or she wasn't, she doesn't even work for them. They just, she they hired her for the day. They called a modeling agency yes. to send us your tallest model. Yeah. yeah. Oh, so my I think gosh. they, and they, so they probably encourage you to d- d- embellish your story also. <laughs> Maybe so. Or do things to make it more difficult yeah, for you. Yeah, but say you saw like a light flash across the sky. Uh-huh. And you thought, man, that could, maybe could it, I don't think that was a plane for whatever various reasons. It wasn't a shooting star. Like, I think, I think I might have seen a spaceship. Mm-hmm. And you genuinely believed it. And someone came to interview you. And they said, okay. And you're saying, yeah, exactly what I just said. And they said, but could you, I mean, what else did it do? Could you maybe say it like hovered a little bit or you got a closer look? Was it a saucer? This is going to sound like I'm bullshitting. No amount of money would make me Yeah, I don't think so. Because all you have is your character. Ms. Mole used to say that. Yeah. Oh, your English teacher? My high school English yes. teacher. She said your integrity your integrity is like a little rock, and if yeah. you start to chip away at it, you can preserve what's left, but it'll never grow back. Yes, yeah, and then you have nothing, mm-hmm. Just and you're just using a sharpened spoon to <laughs> breaking <laughs> it away. your way out of Alcatraz. Yeah, because if you don't have your moral character and your ethics, then what do you have to stand on? Well, it's a great question, too, of like where the line is that you're willing to cross. You're willing to lie a little bit to Inside Edition, then are you willing to lie a little bit more right. to the next guy and the next guy and the next guy? And, you know, then were you willing to cheat a little bit on your taxes and a right. little more and a little more? So, I don't know. It's a great question. Or cheat a little bit on your spouse. And then, like, yeah, yeah I mean, it's Well, I'm not cheating. Effect. I'm just sending pictures. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, just... it's like inch, an inching. Another thing that Miss Molly used to always say to us, there was an Alexander Pope quote. It's really long. I'm not going to bore you with it. But it's basically that idea that you're exposed to immorality that so often that then you're willing to slightly participate in it. Yeah. And then if you participate it, then suddenly you can become it. You know, mm-hmm. it's sort of quickly... I just restarted, started watching The Good Place over again. Oh. And so uh, there's that's just like a long lots lesson of, in moral lots philosophy Lots of morality and, and philosophy questions. So good. Posited in that. Well, between 1965 to the early 2000s, both the FBI and the U.S. Marshals received several tips that the Anglin brothers were living in Georgia, Florida, and South America. In a 2015 History Channel special, a photo was shown allegedly of the brothers living in Brazil, 13 years after their escape from Alcatraz. And they had professionals analyze this photo. It's their faces. By all accounts, they're wearing sunglasses. So it's a little hard to tell for sure. But pretty much every expert that has looked at this has said, yes, we can pretty positively say that this is that, wow. that's the men. Not 100%. But and there's also they put interview- it on Facebook. I don't know. Yeah. Or Google <laughs> photos. Yeah. They, the, even the FBI and the U.S. Marshals flew down there to interview people, and there was some local bartenders who were like, oh, yeah, they live here. So, wow. yeah, but they never found them. Over the years, family members of the Anglin brothers would receive postcards and Christmas cards signed from Jerry and Joe. Their name were John and Clarence. Yeah. But that was their fake These pseudonyms. These are their fake, fake names. And every Mother's Day, until her death in 1973... Mama England received an anonymous delivery of flowers. At her funeral, 
two very tall, unusual women in heavy makeup were reported to have attended before quietly disappearing. Damn, this is doubtfire it. This is, again, what made... I think when I was researching, it was stuff like this that made me really feel for these people. That even though you're out, you can't have any relationship with your family. And you've lost your parent now. And you can't even grieve the way you need to greet, you know, you're mm-hmm. having to like be in costume to go to their funeral, but, and you still want that connection with them and you're sending Christmas cards and stuff, but it's, it's just sad to think about. Yeah. That, that's the reason why they did it. Probably. Yeah. You know, they wanted to at least have some con- the human I mean, desire for connection with another human and, and that you're cut off from that. Yes, really in prison. yes. That will drive a person insane. Absolutely. I yeah. think it will. I mean, that's the stuff that happens when, when babies are small and they don't get the human connection yeah. that can then Lots severely psychologically damage them later. Absolutely. I guess at least they had each other. That's true. The brothers. <laughs> what if they, they, that's like the two Anglin brothers that didn't get along. It's like, you're the <laughs> only all person. the brothers that could be in this prison with me. <laughs> I get stuck with Clarence. <laughs> well, in 1989, when Papa Anglin died... Two strangers in beards showed up at the funeral home. According to Robert, brother to John and Clarence, the strangers stood in front of the casket looking at the body a few minutes. They wept and then they walked out. Again, that's just a sad image to think about. But they, you still wanted to pay their respects. They have to say goodbye to their dad. Yeah. And also that that relationship was stolen from them. I'm talking about these guys, like they're these innocent people they're that not. did nothing they, wrong. They, okay. And I'm well aware that they are criminals On and the they were in side, jail for a reason. They did commit crimes. Yes. Uh, 100%. But, I, but it's the thing that we talked about, I think, with the Menendez brothers, which really did flip my uh, feelings on the death penalty of, yes, you are, you have done wrong actions yeah but i think that as a society i hope that we would not throw a person away right you know that yes. it's at the like you said there's some everybody's somebody's baby two wrongs don't make a right and that's true and who knows maybe if they had some lovely prison trade school that they could have gone to they wouldn't have escaped right they probably still would have well, despite multiple eyewitness accounts that the men were alive in recent years and may still be today the question still remains, could they actually have survived their attempt? Three scientists, Olivier Hose, Rolf Hott, and Fedor Barr, tested their theory on the PBS show Secrets of the Dead, using 3D modeling and technology to determine whether the men could have survived the journey. It was a pretty cool show. And they also... Secrets of the Dead is a great name. Also, <laughs> my album name. <laughs> yes. Christy Wallace, Secrets of the Dead. You'll be featured in everything. Diamond Prison, Secrets of the Dead are going to drop the same day. Yes. Just let everybody know. Yes. It'll be a Tuesday, like all new music. And we'll have a tour as well that supports it. Yeah. We're going to do like on the, the New Kids on the Block tour where they it's just like every other song is Debbie Gibson or the New Kids. We'll just take turns going out. Oh, okay. That way neither of us That's get fun. And tired. then we'll collab on certain, yes. some stuff. And, and then Salt like... and Pepper will come out. Yeah. That so okay. good. Nice. <laughs> Well, well, Secrets of the Dead was actually a good show because they not only they did all this tech, the 3D modeling, but they actually got the type of raincoats that were used oh. and showed you know, sewing them together. And if you did a little bit of heat, then it, they would adhere. They did vulcanize, and which that, is a cool word. Such a cool word. And they uh, that's the first single off of your album, Vulcanize. <laughs> Yes, definitely. Uh, but and it was cool that they said that the raincoats basically back then, there were so many birds flying over Alcatraz shitting on mm. all the guards that the guards frequently would just grab a raincoat, put it on to go walk the yard because uh-huh. they didn't want to get shitted on and then take it off and kind of just 
like discard it wherever and the guys were collecting them oh smart i do remember there being a lot of bird poop yeah at alcatraz like all over the concrete out outside I mean, if areas you're a bird stuff. flying over those yeah you'd aim for the thing instead yeah. of the water all the time every time every time every time <laughs> Well, Hose was a coastal hydrologist from Holland and developed a sophisticated model of the San Francisco Bay's tide. Old tidal charts helped the scientists to determine the movement of the waves on the night of the escape. And Barr, a computer simulation specialist, was able to use all this data to create a model that would run various scenarios. It's so cool that they have science to do all this. They're very smart people. Man, they they showed the tide charts. He said they were doing it for something else, I think, to... I can't remember why they started doing it. It was something for the city of San Francisco, or uh, and then they realized they could figure out historical data, and mm. they kind of looked at each other and were like, we can figure out Alcatraz. A light bulb went off. The model could track about 50 virtual rafts in possible directions. The models determined that in order to survive, the escapees would have had to have launched their raft off the rock sometime between 11.30 p.m. and midnight. So that's when the certain tide was the right... The right would have taken them in the right direction. The data determined that the tides would have easily taken them in to Horseshoe Bay, near the foot of the Golden Gate Bridge. Angel Island, however, would have been a dangerous route as the tides on that night would have overpowered their rowing and swept the men out to sea. I don't think that these were uh, seasoned seamen. I think that they got on the boat. That is the name of your your first track. (laughs) (laughs) absolutely it is uh and it's all about boats um but i think that that they probably got in this raft and say angel island's on the right horseshoe bay's on the left and you start pedaling to the right and it starts sucking you one way you're just gonna go with the flow literally yeah stop paddling they might not have even paddled they might have had an opportunity they just the waters carried them where it carried that's land fuck it yeah they don't give a shit just get to land that's the Mm -hmm. main objective here A 2003 episode of Mythbusters also posited that while the men's intended destination may have been Angel Island, the tides would have taken them to the Marin headlands. From here, it would have been possible for the tides to carry debris back in the direction of Angel Island, throwing law enforcement off the escapees' trails. That's true. You jump out, you bail on your shit, and then it just floats back to where they're going to find it. And some think that Frank Morris, because he was super smart Mm -hmm. and crafty, deliberately threw a lot of these items back in Mm -hmm. knowing that the tide would carry them and it would throw the law enforcement off their trail it's like a message in a bottle i think yeah i think they did it on purpose yeah this episode also constructed a raft with the same materials and tools that inmates used and determined that it was possible for them to have been successful in their escape mythbusters was such a good show when those two adam and jamie were on there someone told me the other day they did not like each other in real life, they, they hate each other. They fought all the time. It's so sad because they were so funny on the show. God, what a miserable off-screen existence that must have been you for have everyone, to... crew, yeah, everything. I like to think we're friends. <laughs> we, I think we're we're best friends. We're best friends. <laughs> you came to my house the other day to record, and we started planned to start at seven, and we talked for an hour and a half, yeah. and then hit record, yeah. and then talk for another hour and a half. Yeah. So, can you imagine if you had to record a show and of I any ilk? You? Oh, yes. Yeah. And you no. didn't like someone? I think that... Poor Adam and Jamie. That's sad. Yeah. That's... You, that's You go to therapy. Especially <laughs> if it's just the two of you hosting that show. That was... By the way, that, that, that show fucking printed money. Just suck yeah. it up. Fake it. I don't know. Yeah. They look too much alike. I think they hated each other. Try, I can only remember the one with the handlebar mustache. The other one had a beard that was red. One, handlebar they must- both had, Weren't yeah. they both reddish? Yes. They were both like redheaded-ish looking and one had a mustache and one had a beard and they both wore wacky hats. 
Maybe that's what they fought over. <laughs> probably, yeah, I going, want the mustache. I want the beard. I'm going to have the. I'm going to wear a. <laughs> no, I'm wearing the mustache. <laughs> I want to drive the penny farthing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that show did bust a lot of myths. It was though. so cool as a kid. That's where I learned a lot about uh, ballistics and how yeah. shooting a gun through the like gel and stuff like that, or like letting like shooting, uh, getting a, a body made out of like goo and like how certain things yeah, would yeah, shoot yeah. through the goo and yeah. stuff. That was cool. Another thing similar to the quicksand and the barbed wire mm-hmm. that I just remembered that Mythbusters uh, disproved that I always was concerned Your about. Your myth got busted. Yeah, luckily, I always thought because I'd heard that if you. We're getting gas, uh-huh. and you got out of your car to get gas, and you had cloth seats, and the friction from your pants <laughs> and the cloth. You. Yes, that you could explode. My parents would always tell me you got to touch the metal. They dispelled it. They dispelled it. Interesting. Yeah. They had somebody get in and out of the car like 50 times. <laughs> Rub your ass on it yeah, like a dog and, on a carpet. And it never once sparked anything. I remember when my sister and her husband first started dating. I And to this day, he's just like the coolest person I've ever met. Aaron? He's, yeah, Aaron's Aaron. great. He's the badass. He's the one that burned our cool sinisterhood. Yes. Uh, he's a custom pyrographer, he's which great. is a fucking cool job. Follow him on Instagram. Aaron's yes. custom pyrography. Yes, he's amazing. And when I mean, they very first started dating, he was giving me a ride somewhere. I think we were going to meet Shannon for lunch. And he stopped to get gas. First of all, his truck didn't have door handles. It was a remote entry. It was so dope. Oh, sweet. <laughs> yeah. He got out and the car engine was running. And I was like, oh, your engine's running. He was like, yeah, no. And then he pumped gas with Whoa. the engine running. And I was like, daredevil. Dude, I was like, he doesn't give a fuck. <laughs> I've never done that. I didn't think you were supposed to. Well, I didn't either. It felt like a rule breaker. And I thought, oh, my God, he's so cool. And then like a couple, maybe a couple months or a year later, I was with my sister. And then she did the same thing. And I was like, she's just as bad as so you can do that? I don't think you're supposed to, but they sure did. I don't, wow. I'm sure they probably don't anymore. No, kids change everything. That's true. You gotta live by Shut it down. rules after they come into your I life. I just thought this is a man who flaunts the norms of society yes. with, without regard. He does not give a fuck. God damn. Well, I'm glad that, uh, you, he made a lot of live of that yeah, situation. Yeah, uh, exactly. But at least he wasn't rubbing his ass on the ground. Exactly. The he probably had leather seats. That's, That's probably right. why it didn't matter. Well, while the FBI officially closed their file in 1979, the U.S. Marshals remains open. And in the 2011 National Geographic documentary, Vanished from Alcatraz, Deputy U.S. Marshal Michael Dyke brought to light some new information. I think, too, probably at the time, the U.S. Marshals, the FBI, it made them look like idiots, that some people yeah. escaped successfully. Yeah. And I think with time now, this marshal and others who are just there to do a good job yeah are not thinking with the mindset well we're, we're about to like, throw them all under the bus we're gonna look like real dipshits yeah. if they actually got away they just want to actually solve the case yeah and so that's probably a and better prevent it from something like this happening yeah, in the and future it's a better eye to look at the, the exactly. look at it with versus we can't let we can't you know we can't let the public know that someone escaped from alcatraz we're gonna right. look like dummies I, it's time it, heals dummies. all. <laughs> oh, nice. You're I would s- say time heals all wounds, but I don't agree with that statement. True, no, so. sometimes you stay pissed off for, <laughs> for a really long time. Ugh. The re- One of the main reasons I don't agree with that statement is when I served on a jury mm-hmm. for a wrongful death case of an infant okay. at a daycare. It was very, very sad. It was a civil case. And... <laughs> The defense attorney, in his closing argument, stood up in front of the jurors and said, 
I really just don't think that, you know, my client should be held liable for all this. And as far as the parents, I mean, time heals all wounds. No. You could hear a pin drop. And all of us were just like, did he literally just say time heals all wounds and that this family should get over the fact that their, their kid was killed their by fucking someone. six month old died in this daycare no it was wild so now anytime somebody says that i'm like yeah not always not always mm, no. you, oh defense attorney <laughs> sir. he was that was a shit show of a trial I'll tell that's you like that right one now. where he finishes and saying that and thinks oh no i have to imagine he immediately went oh and his counterpart at the table, just look down at the table when oh. he's still like, oh, Jesus Christ. Yeah. I shouldn't have fucking brought this guy. That's uh. like when I toured SMU for the first time and they were talking about their Greek life. And it was a couple months or a year after there was a hazing incident yeah. where they, some boys forced another yes. student to chug a five that. gallon bucket of water yeah. and that you he like died. internally drown. Yeah. And the girl was given the tour and said, we have a strong anti-hazing policy and we have no incidents. And I said, what about that kid who drank the water and died? And she goes, well, we're all trying to forget about that. <gasps> you know who's not? His parents. That's what I yelled from the back of the crowd. You did? Yep. Nice. And it was very quiet. And I, my mom wasn't with me on that tour and she probably would have punched me in the ribs. If she I think been. she probably would have been like, good job. Hell yeah. <laughs> Get him. Golly. Yeah, she said, we're trying to forget about that incident. Mm. I'm sure the school is. I'm sure you I'm sure. are trying to. Also, proud SMU alum over here. Pony up. No. <laughs> but seriously, it's like, and that's the pony up's what they tell you after you graduate because they want all the money. Oh, yes. <laughs> Please yeah. donate to our school. But that was not a good choice of words. No. We're all trying to forget. No. Think before you speak. Oh, man. It's a good motto. Whether you're giving a tour of a college campus or defending a <laughs> corporate client from civil liability. Whatever. Or just even in, in any of your daily life. Take a minute and think, how will this land i sure <laughs> don't but you should <laughs> yeah no very rarely do i that's why we have the edit that's why feature. we have tommy <laughs> that's why we have tommy to edit things out well contrary to the official fbi report that the escapees raft was never recovered and no car thefts were reported a raft was in fact discovered on angel island on june 12th 1962 the day after the escape with reported footprints leading away from it interesting very in addition, a 1955 blue Chevrolet with California plates had been reported stolen in Marin County the same day the raft was discovered. Furthermore, a motorist in Stockton, California, 80 miles east of San Francisco, reported to the California Highway Patrol that he had been forced off the road by three men in a blue Chevrolet at 11.30 a.m. on June 12th. Wow, so they were out and about. You sounds like it. Ooh, it sounds very you gotta call chips. Coincidental. You do. You should call chips. Dyke also said that boats docked on the opposite side of Angel Island could have allowed the inmates to gain access to one of them, thereby hitching a free ride to the mainland. Oh, that's true. If they hid in a boat or hooked themselves to the back of it. Yeah. Wow. This new information prompted speculation that officials knew all along the evidence suggesting the escapees survived and that a cover-up of the evidence had taken place, along with them declaring the men drowned, not only to protect Alcatraz's reputation as an escape-proof prison, 
but in hopes the men would relax, thereby becoming easier targets to find. Okay, that sort of changes my opinion on the FBI. Because before I thought it was just all about the ego, but that's true. If, if they're like, oh, they drowned, then everyone kind of is like, oh, for okay, we're golden. Yeah, and then suddenly they're not, they're not wearing yeah, their Yeah, I mean, that's a good tactic. Fake mustaches anymore. It could be a little from column A. Well, I feel like ignorant for not thinking that. <laughs> I fancy myself a junior detective over here, and I should have thought of that. Oh, that's okay. You still have your badge. I still have my FBI badge that I bought from a uh, Comic Con. <laughs> oh, nice! <laughs> have you ever used it? <laughs> no, it has JJ uh, Jero from uh, Criminal Minds's face on it. Oh, okay, then yeah. definitely use it. No, and, and yes. <laughs> well, still there are some that claim while the trio did make it off the rock and to shore, their luck ended there. In a 1993 deathbed confession to his nurse and a priest, a man named John Leroy Kelly claimed to have been responsible for the fate of the men. According to Kelly, he and his partner picked up Morris and the Anglins in a boat and proceeded to take them to the Seattle area. Instead of helping the three escaped convicts cross the border into Canada, Kelly and his partner murdered the escapees in order to steal the $40,000 the prisoners' families had collected for them. Well, that's sad. I'm confused if they had, they wouldn't have had this money on them. That's true. I wonder where so they So how would they have collected this money? I think John Leroy Kelly was full of I think, dookie. yeah, I don't, I'm, I'm not. Officials dug up the site where Kelly claimed to have buried the bodies, but no bones were ever discovered. Deathbed confessions are weird. Yeah. I mean, I know he wants to, he's he, uh, claiming to be so overcome with guilt he's got to get off his chest before he passes on. But if it's a fake deathbed confession, I guess that's what's weird. Fake deathbed confession. What are you gaining? Because oh. you're going to be dead. To, to You're not going to get any of this fame that you, of being the one to crack the case because you're dead. Well, yeah, maybe you think your reputation will live on. Oh, okay. No one's going to talk about me. I'm just John Leroy Kelly. But now he's being talked about on a podcast. So oh, that's true. Now he's famous. You made it. We've talked about him. <laughs> no, yeah. I just meant no one's going to hear <laughs> Just kidding. But John Leroy Kelly, maybe he, he did, felt like a nobody and he wanted to die as somebody. Huh. Interesting. Well, in 2013, the San Francisco Police Department Richmond Station received a letter that forced the agency to reopen the cold case. My name is John England. I escaped from Alcatraz in June 1962 with my brother Clarence and Frank Morris. I'm 83 years old and in bad shape. I have cancer. Yes, we all made it that night, but barely. The letter went on to say that in 2008, Frank Morris had passed away, and that three years later, in 2011, John lost his brother Clarence. Perhaps this is why the author of the letter was now trying to make a deal. If you announce on TV that I will be promised to first go to jail for no more than a year and get medical attention, I will write back to let you know exactly where I am. This is no joke! Again, if this is true, this is very sad. I would think that you probably don't have insurance. Yeah. You probably can't participate in Medicare. Yeah. Because you are an escaped convict on the run. And if you are struck in with a terrible disease like cancer, you probably are medical system is fucked up in the U.S. <laughs> so you can't really get medical care. Right. And you don't, think, I imagine they don't, he doesn't have IDs. He's turned into legal IDs, apologists. But think, this yes, guy's got, he's, he's dying and he thinks the only way, you know how I can get to a hospital is if I turn myself God. in. God. And then the FBI goes, nah. Yeah. Full circle on that one. The U.S. Marshal sent the letter to the FBI lab to be examined for fingerprints and DNA and to have the handwriting analyzed. 
The results came back inconclusive. Still announce it on TV. While the writer of the letter claims to currently live in Southern California, the U.S. Marshals consider the lead closed with no merit. Could it be that John Anglin has finally surfaced after all these years, desperately seeking help in his old age from the same people that locked him up so many years ago? Or are the brothers secretly living out their final days in Brazil, keeping up a small farm to pass the time? Did Frank Morris die in 2008, as the letter claims? Or is he also living somewhere, under an assumed name, having made a new life for himself after his daring escape? Jeff Harp, a security analyst for CBS San Francisco, who spent 21 years with the FBI, says, They're getting up there in age. Somebody knows, because if they made it out, they communicate with somebody. So somebody, somewhere, knows. That's still alive. I mean... <sighs> so... What do we think? I think they definitely made it. I think that they did, too. I think that based on the uh, title charts that they came up with on the PBS show, yeah. that it clearly showed that they would have very quickly within, I think it's like a half an hour or an hour, hit land. Right. So they weren't just floating aimlessly. They didn't float out to sea. That's not what the tide said. Right. And I think that they made an escape either with the girlfriend or some one of the 14 England family members right. or someone on the outside. They dropped the wallet on purpose. To throw them off the trail mm -hmm. and, like you said, Frank Morris, huck things out of the boat. And then I think that they split up because I think that I do too. I think that they were in contact with their family members because how else would they have known that their mom and pa died? Oh, for sure. To like go back. Well, whatever. in fact, in later years, one of the Anglin brothers, actually another deathbed confession, said he had been in contact with them from the time they got out until the time that he he died. Yeah, and. That he is probably how they found out about stuff like that. Yeah, so he would write them and say, "Hey, you need." Yeah, to Yeah, and some of the know. Anglins also said that they would bribe the guards with money and stuff when they went in, presumably saying the guards knew that something was going to happen. Oh wow! To so say, on this night, look the other way. Yeah, if you hear a crash, don't investigate. Exactly. Interesting. I I agree. I think they made it. I think they did split up. I think the brothers stayed together, and then Frank went his own ways. I could see that John is still alive and suffering from cancer right now. And, and what was that, that? Well, that was in what 2011 or no? That was 2013. Oh, oh, 2013. Yeah, yeah. And he or or he may have passed. Yeah, away he under might, a now, now he might be now he might be dead. Yeah, six years later. Yeah, under a pseudonym because he would have been eighty. He was eighty three at the time, so he would have been yeah. What eighty nine now? Yeah, wow. that's, yeah, yeah. So he's he's probably passed. He's probably away passed under a, a fake name. Here's my question. Go on. Can you ever really enjoy your freedom or relax when this is your life? When you're always looking over your shoulder. Yeah. Which is worse? Being in prison where... Being in prison. You know... The but, worst thing but, about prison is the dementors. <laughs> but, with, but with the chance to get out... Say you have a prison sentence of 30 years. But the problem is you might get shanked before you... you yeah. Know, or beaten or Sure. Whatever. Or the mental suffering you endure. I had this epiphany the other day. There's only, this is a stupid thing, but I'm going to say it anyway. It was Sunday morning. It was really nice. And I was having a very nice Sunday morning. And I was like, I need to get up and do some things. But I'm going to stay here for another few minutes because there's only so many Sunday mornings. Yeah. And you think there's a million more, but there's probably right. not 30,000 more. Right. You know? And I think that it makes you, when you have gone through something traumatic, like for me, I lost my dad. Right. And that made me really appreciate 
Ben be present in a lot more ways than than before and not think so far in the future or worry so much about the past or try not to be so into my phone. And so I think when you are faced with a scenario like that, that it makes you be present. So now I'm really, mm-hmm. you know, I'm trying to enjoy my Sunday morning. Yeah. You know, anytime that it's a nice, it doesn't have to be anything fancy or extravagant, just a nice moment. So I think if you escape from prison and you find a lady, whatever, have a kid, who knows what they did, even if they didn't, even if he just grew tomatoes in his backyard. Got to feel the sunshine on his back. Go out, wake up in the morning, have a nice cup of coffee. No one's yelling at you. There's no, and the thing yeah. opens. You know, you just get to go outside and, you know, you pick the tomato and you hold it in your hand and it just feels plump and good. And you take a bite and you think if they came and got me today. Yeah. At least I had this. It was all worth it. Yeah. So so even if you are a little bit looking over your shoulder every night, just taking in that moment that you have, I think maybe, you know, it's worth it. You know, you think we made it. Like you said, we made it just barely. Yeah. And I think they did probably go out of the country. I think it would have been easier. I think, yeah. A lot of people said that they saw them in in the states and in that letter he also said that he had lived in the seattle area for a while so okay perhaps he did and then it's interesting that he claims to have be living in southern california again you come back to what you know in the end true i wonder too this is me having a romantic creative writing kind of brain what if you're like a u.s marshal or fbi agent and you're you're investigating the case and you like find him and you like go to the house and you see him and he has like a family or a grandkid mm. and you just take the thing and shred it. You just take wow. the piece of paper and go, you know, what? What's, what am I going to do? Put this 70 year old man back in not Alcatraz, but in federal right. prison. Like, fuck it. I don't know. You That's have where soul, your morals right? again come exactly. into play. Your job is to arrest him. Yeah. But your soul tells you he's bouncing a little girl with pigtails on his knee. Yeah. Am I going to take this old man in? I don't, how do I even know if it's him? You can't test DNA. But probably fingerprints. They probably have, Maybe your fingers get all wrinkly. I don't know. No, they can still <laughs> I tell. think they're still they your still prints, tell. though. I burned them off. Yeah. I don't yeah. know. That's a good good question. That, that's going to be in the three men and a baby escape from Alcatraz. Yes. Al- three men, be, no baby escape from Alcatraz. We found the plot right That's here. how it ends. Yeah. <laughs> how it ends is the U.S. Marshal finds Steve Gutenberg. Oh, I like it. Old Steve Gutenberg and lets him go. That's perfect. Well, I'm glad we've written that. And now we have some albums, too. Yes. A lot of creative things on the horizon. So look for all of this. Well, let us know what you guys think. Definitely. Let let us know if you think they got away. Or if you have any truthers out there who think they drowned. Yeah. I mean, and it's it's very possible to have drowned. Yeah. It's for not sure. unreasonable. But why wouldn't they have found their bodies? Yeah. And it's like you said, majority of people who end up in that bay, they find them yeah. based on the currents. They slam against. Yeah. Them. I think that something would have been found. So I think that the prison people that built this overestimated how much of a moat the uh, bay was going to act as around this giant rock. They put a little too much faith in concrete. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of faith in concrete. A lot of faith in Mother Nature, and they got screwed by both. Yes. <laughs> you know what? Mother Nature will get you. She, every time. Every time. Should have put up the barbed wire fence. Well, yeah. Let us know what you guys think. Well, many of you have asked if we have a Patreon where you can donate to the show. We do. Our show will always remain free, but if you wish to donate to help offset the cost of making and hosting the show, you can visit Sinisterhood.com and click on Patreon in the top right corner. You can get some sweet perks like Patreon-exclusive content, a Sinisterhood sticker, membership to our exclusive Patreon Facebook group, a special shout-out on the show, and a monthly bonus mini-sode. And make sure you stick around right after our sign-offs to hear your shout-out. 
So many of you have been tagging us in pictures of you sporting your sweet Sinisterhood merch. Please don't stop. We love them. If you want to get some cool Sinisterhood swag like us, you can get t-shirts, mugs, totes, and even clothes for your kiddos. Just visit Sinisterhood.com and click shop in the top right corner. We have a listener that bought a onesie specifically for her Shih Tzu. Sometimes dreams come true. <laughs> a picture is imminent, everybody. All I've been wanting is for someone to get baby clothes and put them on their dog. So thank I'm you. Very excited. Thank you so much. Thank you. I cannot wait for this. Send pictures. Please. Well, the best thing you can do, in addition to taking pictures of your dogs and cats and pigs or whatever, guinea pigs, turtles, whatever you want to put in a onesie. Put it in a sinister put onesie. Put it in a sinister onesie. After that, the best thing you can do to help us grow is like, review, and subscribe on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcast. And tell a friend who you think would like us to check us out. It means so much to us and really helps small podcasts like us get more exposure. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Sinisterhood Pod and like us on Facebook at Sinisterhood. Christy, where are you at? I am on Twitter at Christy or GTFO and on Instagram at Christy M. Wallace. Heather, what about you? I am on Instagram at Heather VS The World and on Twitter at MCK VS The World. As always, the devil rules the airwaves. Keep it creepy. Hey, everybody. Thanks so much for supporting our Patreon. Here are your Patreon shoutouts. Rose Maddox, Susanna Gast, Wakitri, Kelsey, Erica Fox, Jamie Slatke, Ruth Cook, Courtney Moore, Ezra. I'm going to say Andrea. It could also be Andrea. Regardless, thank you so much for supporting the show and check your mail for your Sinisterhood stickers because we sent them out. Yes, thank you so much. Keep it creepy. Mwahaha. Sinister.